Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Weekly Wilson. This week, we have a special Father's Day episode that we're bringing to you. I am your slightly warm host, Brian Wilson. And I am your bipolar host, Jay Wilson. Brian, how are you today? Father's Day guest, (laughs) Brian Wilson. Yeah, Jay, you're, uh, I thought you were going to introduce the guest, maybe. I said you I was going to explain why the it's episode. a special Father's Day episode. <laughs> well, I thought the guest was part of the episode. We're already falling apart here. Well, right? I was going to build some suspense, but lo and behold, the Brian's out of the bag. I blew it. <laughs> I was and today we really to... discuss these plans more in depth before we start recording. I was yeah. supposed to wait for the big reveal. I don't know, Dad. <laughs> we, could st- we could start over. It's early. Not the 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 <laughs> dumpster is rolling down the hill. Um, so <laughs> today in the studio we have the elder Wilson, Wilson Prime, as we refer to him in our household. Both of our father, Brian Wilson, Senior. Often mentioned on the podcast, often referred to in very uh, kind of I don't know if legendary is the word I'm looking for, but like he he seems like a mythical figure. Yeah, I, all these amazing abilities and I have habits. um I have heard other people say that based on like sometimes if you get the right stories in like order that like if they get the right piece of information first with like no background, I have heard you can seem like a folk hero sometimes. But we really but we really wanted to mortalize him. So today we have him on the podcast. Dad, is there anything you would like to say at this point now that we have built you up as a god? <laughs> Oh, no, nothing special, just I'm here in the flesh, or in the voice, no longer a mythical creature. (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so for this episode, we gathered a bunch of questions to ask him. We have a pretty long list, probably not going to get to all of them, but we'll just kind of cherry-pick the good ones. We got some questions from our other siblings as well. We've uh, sent it out to the field. So should have some well-rounded discussion. We're going to leapfrog over the weekly discussion, because... It's the Father's Day special, so we want to focus on the father. Yeah, and that's what we're gonna do. So, Dad, you gotta get on this. Uh, we gotta get on this bus. the The driver's name is Cletus, and we're gonna take you over to the subject zone very quickly. <laughs> oh, is that what we're doing? Well, we're going. We're skipping the. <laughs> yeah, I think I know. Go Cletus. To that. Was he a Morgan County Raider? <laughs> Could have been. Okay. Well, all aboard. All right. Oh boy, that was a that was a quick trip. I think we caught Cletus unawares, but um, Dad. Hey. Yes. Hey. Um, so, I was thinking we could start off with Aaron's questions. I asked Aaron what she might want to ask Dad. And, um, Aaron Wilson, by the way. You all know and love her. She's been on the podcast twice. Um, she had um, some questions from Brene Brown. And they were pretty lighthearted. You know, I think we could get the, get the podcast juices flowing. Who's Brene Brown? Couldn't tell you. 
Okay, so these aren't Aaron originals? No. It feels a lot less authentic to me now. I'm kind of disappointed. Well, I liked them, because I feel like we could get some good answers. <laughs> no, yeah, they are good questions. And Aaron's got the softballs to warm him up, and then we'll really come in with the deep cuts. You can always count on Aaron to just lob a softball over the plate. Um, anyhow, Dad, what is the last show that you binged and absolutely loved? Oh, binged and loved. I think I'd have... Two separate well, things. Binging, <laughs> right. <laughs> binging is a little different, defined a little differently for me, I think. Like, I don't, like, binge episode after episode. I'll watch one, possibly two. Maybe the Weekly Wilson. Hmm. Deadwood. Okay. I recently... I, I in by my definition of binging, I recently watched Deadwood on HBO Max, and it's an older show. Okay. It's hard to love that show, but it's a really good show. <laughs> I don't think it would I'm, be made. I'm glad to hear that binging for you is is watching one or two episodes at a time because I'm the same way, and Sydney hates it <laughs> that I can just watch one or two episodes of something and be like, all right, we're good now, like, let's go outside, or, like, it's time for bed, let's go, like, leaving on a giant cliffhanger, and she's like, how can you possibly want to stop watching right now? And I'm like, it's the end of an episode. It's the perfect time to stop. It's when we were intended to stop watching, actually. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, but it's hard. I would say it's hard to love Deadwood. It's a really good show. But it was made 15, 20 years ago, I think, and probably wouldn't wouldn't be made today. It's, uh, as you might guess, set in Deadwood, South Dakota, but it was before South Dakota was a state, so it's like right after the Civil War. So Ah, the treatment of women and minorities is appalling, to say the least. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's kind of hard to watch, but it's probably trying to be a somewhat accurate portrayal. Of what things were like then. Okay. Yeah, I know a handful of people that will not watch a TV show or stop watching a TV show or movie because of how women or minorities are treated. They're like, oh, this is terrible. I don't want to watch this. Which, that's their own opinion. That's their own prerogative. But I don't understand it because I'm like, yes, it's terrible, but it's also just a depiction of how the time was. Like, this happened, and pretending it didn't happen, I feel like, is kind of naive, in a way. But I can also understand, like, just not wanting to expose it, like, make, having it make you feel bad, and not want to uh, consume it. Yeah, like, I guess it's also, like, some people don't really like war movies, because war is kind of a bummer, but... <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, I agree. It's like we're, we're depicting what it was like. We're not trying to glorify it. It's just this is, this is what it could have been. Okay. So then what is it that you think you like about the show? Why, why is that the most recent one you've loved? Is it just your vibe? Um, it's set in the Old West... The cast was really good. Um, it's hard to pick. There aren't a lot of good guys. Maybe one <laughs> in the whole show. Okay. Um, but but uh, one of the, I guess you would call him a protagonist. I wouldn't call him a good guy. But you're, 
the show makes you root for him eventually, but he's not a good guy okay. at all. And the actor mm-hmm. is the same guy who played the hotel manager in John Wick. Ooh. Okay. I'm not super familiar with John Wick, but uh, that's also a quality of a lot of my favorite shows. That I forget who I was talking to about this, um, but yeah, that's the quality of most of my favorite shows, or I think what just makes a good show in general is that there's not one person you're rooting for. Instead of having one protagonist that you're following and cheering for the whole time, it's just kind of like you're a bystander to all the events are happening. And everyone has their motives for what they're doing, and you may like someone more or less depending on their motives and how they go about achieving them, Mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, you're just kind of watching a story play out. And I think... I forget, I know Game of Thrones does a really good job of that, and then I think uh, most uh, Quentin Tarantino movies kind of do a good job of that. And I think that's why those are so good. Yes, exactly. Um, that's that's how this show plays out. Is it's a story, and everybody's got their own motivations. Just just what you said. It's interest, interesting that you bring up Game of Thrones um, because that one I loved. Mm-hmm. I'd say that's yeah. that. It's you know that was epic. Um, another one that's been on my mind lately is Westworld, another HBO, um, because a new season mm-hmm. starts next week. Nice. Yeah. A lot of a lot of soft spots for westerns and uh fantasy genres in the Wilson household, I feel like. That was definitely definitely Ooh, time. a Lord of the Rings household growing up, so deep roots. Um But anyhow. Dad. Oh. one last uh um also Justified. I think you might have caught an episode or two of Justified, starring Timothy Oliphant. If there is a good guy in Deadwood, it's his character. Oh. He's, he's, he's one of the stars in that one, too. And there's okay, also yeah, appearances... He's a, he's a great character. Yep. Also appearances there by Wild Bill Hickok, who was killed in Deadwood, and Wyatt Earp and his brother Morgan, I think. Oh, jeez. And it was... Ryan uh, Jr., do these names mean anything to you? <laughs> Nothing. I'm, I nothing. <laughs> I'm not a not a knowing actors' names kind of guy. Well, Wyatt Earp was just a guy, a real person. Okay, I don't know a lot of real people either. So, <laughs> anyhow, well, I I think it was well, wait actors are real people. Yeah, anyway. that's true. But Dad and I <laughs> went on a tear of westerns when I was younger, so I think that might be part of part of that. But anyhow. Yeah, generally when I think of Dad, I think of, like, western, dark, and grisly kind of shows. Yeah, so. Um, but anyhow, we gotta keep moving, guys, because there are so many good questions for Dad. Um, what's a... Do I skip the next softball and go straight to, like, the medium ball? Ooh. It's our podcast, Jay. We can do whatever we want. The slider across our, the plate? Well, Dad, we... Dad, we sent you all these questions beforehand. Were there any that piqued your interest in particular, or anything um, you really wanted to rant about? I thought they were all pretty good. Um, some of them I probably have more to told, say about than others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Quick, like, I told Jay we could go. just bring up merging onto highways and have that be the whole podcast. <laughs> <laughs> just one long rant. Yeah. Um, no, but uh, I want to hear like a two-minute breakdown of um, 
maybe even just a one minute, but however long. You, you know what, Dad? Take as many minutes as you'd like. <laughs> okay. But, but the, the concert question. I feel like I've heard a little bit about this, but what's, your, what's a concert you'll never forget? Concert I'll never forget. Okay, the one I liked, enjoyed the most, uh, was the Eagles. I uh, went to see them in New York for the classic East. Six bands in two days. That was probably oh, wow. the most memorable. Um, the other five were Fleetwood Mac, Journey, Steely Dan, Doobie Brothers, and Earth, Wind, and Fire. So that was pretty memorable. Oh, oh my <laughs> gosh. I have others that are memorable for other reasons. Michael Stanley Band, first concert ever at Muskingum College. Nice. Two carloads of us drove over there when we were in high school, and I was one of the drivers. Um, oh, nice. Don't remember much about the concert, but I do remember the drive to and from. Um, <laughs> another one was Pink Floyd. Saw them at Ohio Stadium yeah. in 1988, so that was pretty memorable. Still in college wow. then. Oh, man. Uh, yeah. And the other... So, these are probably the four most memorable. So, the last one was Aerosmith and Guns N' Roses at Buckeye Valley Music Center. It used to be Legend Valley. That's memorable because Guns N' Roses was absolutely horrendous. And actually, oh, yeah. <laughs> was a really? prima donna. Yeah. It was awful. Huh. That would have been Dang. early 90s when their first album was just out. But well, that's, shoot. That's our a next, quick rundown of, guess of on my... The... <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say our next guest on the show is Axl Rose, so this is going to be a little awkward, but... Um... <laughs> Tell Anyhow. him I said, hey. Yeah. Um, well, okay. Brian. It's a pretty solid repertoire of concerts. Yeah, those are some pretty great concerts. Like, <laughs> I remember um, I've being, been to Mac Miller uh, and Maroon 5. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. I have Maroon 5 tickets next month. What? At Blossom. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. That's cool. Yeah, I just remember, uh, like... As a teenager, finding out how, like, into the Eagles you were, and then, like, it wasn't until years after that that I realized that you had never seen them live. I think it was, like, when you got the tickets to go see them, and I was like, oh, that's cool, like, when was the last time you saw them? You're just like, never. I was like, what? <laughs> oh, wait, did that happen recently? Um, when was the Classic East? So that's, like, 2017, 2018? Whoa. Yeah. And you then- had that concert that recently? Yes, and I saw him twice after that on that same tour. Once in Detroit, we oh, met man. Uh, we met Hannah and Jocks groupie. up there. <laughs> yeah, we were. We met <laughs> Hannah and Jocks up there. Mary, Mary and I went and met Hannah and Jocks in Detroit, so we saw them there. And then they came to Cleveland sometime after that, and it's like, well, they're in Cleveland. <laughs> we have to go. Nice. Um, wow. And, um, yeah, they were on, they broke up in the 80s. So they were, mm-hmm. and then they had the Hell Froze Over tour. Hell Freezes <laughs> Over. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, Dad, I have, I have one more question, Brian, and then I, oh, I'll turn it over to you to, if you want to pick one after this, Brian. But uh, this is a, oh, okay. another one of Aaron's that I was very interested in to hear. Um, but... Give us a snapshot of an ordinary moment in your life that brings you great joy. I feel like you have a lot of like little systems and little things that like 
really spark a lot of joy in you. And An I'm, ordinary moment. I'm interested to see what one comes joy. to mind. Um, that I could go a lot, several different ways with this, but I think something uh, completing a project or a task gives me great satisfaction. I don't know if yeah. that's a joyful thing, um, or fixing something that's broken. And it's like, oh, this is what's wrong. And you fix it, and it's as good as new. Not like it's rigged or, oh, this is going to break again. It's like, it's done. It's fixed. Mm-hmm. We're good. That's So I don't know. I guess I'm equating satisfaction with joy in that scenario. But another, another one would be just an ordinary dinner. We're grilling up a couple steaks or a couple pork chops roasting some potatoes, steaming a vegetable, and then we park it in front of the TV in the living room in our swivel rockers, and Mary and I have dinner, and it's just, that's awesome. We love it. <laughs> yeah. That's so wholesome. I think you uh, I think you definitely passed that on to us, um, at least, like, having, like, a night in that is, like, the exact night in that you want is a pretty chart-topping evening for me. Um, like when you have like a good meal planned and like a, like a show that you're excited to watch. Like, I think it's really fun. But then, uh, what was it? So finishing a project sparks great joy in you. So when you have to rig something that you think is going to break later, does that spark anti-joy or just less joy? (laughs) It's, I don't know. There's some satisfaction uh, if you're in a pinch and you have to do that and then you limp through and get done what you needed to do. Yeah. But hard to say. I feel like there are good stories of like how you, how you were able to like get a car back home. Yes. None are springing to mind immediately. But other spinoff question I want to ask from that other question is uh, that you've passed on that uh, appreciation of just a normal night in getting dinner and watching TV. Um, but I know Jay and myself, sometimes if we have too many of those nights in a row, then we start to feel like, okay, well, I can't do this every night. Like, should I, should I be doing more? Should I be accomplishing more? Am I just being lazy and like watching too much TV or something? Um, so I don't know if you ever have that feeling or if you've kind of moved past that. (laughs) I would say my threshold is much higher. <laughs> okay. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> but yeah, I know what you mean. But, um... Okay. Anyhow, Brian, do you want to ask one of your questions or one of my questions? Yeah, I'm going to ask one of my questions. Um, so this one is a little more complicated, but... It's just... Or actually, no, I'm not going to jump to the complicated one yet. We're still not at the halfway mark, so... Um, I'm going to say, I was just talking about this with some friends this past weekend. I was with some friends from home, so we were talking about all our different high school sports memories and different people we played sports with and different parents and how they reacted. And I'm sure you can call to mind some parents who were a little over involved and over-concerned with their kids' performances in their sporting events and would react quite explosively sometimes. I won't name any names, but uh, Jay and I, it's something we've talked about often, is how much we appreciate how you approached our high school sports careers. Just kind of like, if we had a bad race, we kind of look over you, and it's like, you knew we had a bad race, 
we knew we had a bad race. And you just kind of like shrug, and we're like, yeah. And then that was it. Or, or <laughs> it's like you really let us, yeah. you let us be the captains of our own careers, and you didn't like make us feel any worse about the bad things. But then you definitely celebrated the good things with us. Yeah, and like it, I think that was a great approach to take to a high schooler's athletic career. You'd like have a bad race, and it'd be like. Hey, Dad. And he'd be like, yeah, it looked like it hurt a lot. And he'd be like, yeah, that hurt a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but so then my question is, if there was any conscious approach that you took, like having observed others and saying, I don't want to be that, I do want to be this, or if you were just kind of like being yourself. I was just going to say, that wasn't really a conscious decision on my part. That was just kind of me being me. Um it's you know you guys if there's a sport you wanted to do I was fully supportive and it's like okay it's a high school sport um we're not doing this for a living there's no dire and dreadful consequences of a bad performance it's like we're doing this for fun so let's not uh let's not make it miserable yeah yeah that kind of um, reminded guess... me of. Oh, sorry, I didn't know if you wanted to follow up on that because I might. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take it a little bit afield of the question at this point. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say. I guess that makes sense because I'm sure most people's reactions to those, most people's reactions to situations aren't uh, intentional. It's just a situation happens and you react how you react. I'm sure the people yelling at their kids aren't like. All right. Well, I'm gonna have to berate them in front of everybody now because they didn't run well. I don't think that's a conscious decision they're making. So I yeah. guess we just lucked out. <laughs> that's funny. Um, but what I was starting to think about is, um, if there's one art, well, one of the arts that I feel like you've mastered in your time is, uh, like not giving unsolicited advice and just. I don't know, the ability the ability to not talk when you shouldn't. <laughs> it's one of my yeah, or like, it's one of my strong suits. <laughs> like so I didn't know if like I don't know, is that anything that you ever felt like like is that something you ever thought of or like I know it's it's a it's a common like courtesy thing to just have in your mind, but since you're like particularly good at just kinda like letting people do their own things or it's like like and you're watching us doing sports. Like you were very obviously like, oh, this is a this is a them thing. Like I'm not gonna like make this about me by like yelling at them, or like getting like worked up about how they're performing. Like any thoughts on that? Um, again, not a not like a conscious decision. I think I yeah. I'm naturally kind of I don't know subdued or quiet and as far as offering opinions and that kind of thing, if I'm asked, I will voice an opinion, but mm -hmm. in a lot of situations I'm, I won't volunteer. So it's, it's kind of a normal thing for me to just let it ride, I guess. Yeah. I'll like have a lot of times where I'm just like after an interaction thinking, I didn't really need to say what I thought about that. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes uh, you just can't help it yep but yeah it's 
It's interesting trying to balance, though, because you like to think, oh, if they want to know what I think, they'll ask. But then, a lot of times, people don't think to ask you if they don't know that you know something. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And people don't know how good our advice is all the time, and a lot of times it's underappreciated, so we need to force it on them. Yeah, we had to start a podcast so that people would listen to all the things we had to say. Nobody was asking, so we had to just come out here and say it all. Yeah, that's one way to go about it. Yeah, Dad, could you uh, talk about um, offering unsolicited opinions on this podcast we create out of nothing when nobody asked us for it? Um, anyhow, moving on. <laughs> um, okay. So... Let's see. Yeah, okay. I have a little more of a lighthearted question. I have some, like, really deep questions that I definitely want to get to, but I feel weird just, like, jumping to them. No, I'm nervous asking them. Okay. <laughs> and I don't even have to answer them. <laughs> well, you know what? I'm going to kick I've, the can down I've the road. I've done my job. I have a healthy fear of dad. Yeah. <laughs> No, but uh, I'll ask. I'll kick the can down the road. I'm gonna ask another slight softball. Um, so I feel like there's a lot of legendary stories from your youth, um, based on you growing up in the middle of nowhere. Is how I usually put it. Um, I don't know. Sorry if that's offensive. Um, no. But <laughs> I always say because it's Deerfield Township, and I like to say that the township is named after its two biggest attractions. Um. <laughs> but <laughs> I wanted to know if you if you had a best part and worst part about growing up in Deerfield. Yeah, I, um, I'm glad you gave me these in advance. It gave me a chance to, although advance was this morning, that was enough time yeah. to at least <laughs> give it a little bit of thought. Um, growing up there is a different world than you guys grew up in. I feel like different world, different time, okay. simpler time. Um, and we, it was pretty much middle of nowhere. I mean, at the time, I mean, Morgan County had no four lane highway. Um, there were some railroads down the Muskingum river when I was younger, but those were taken out. So at this point there's no, still no four lane highways no railroads in the county. First McDonald's showed up in the county in the 90s. Oh, geez. Um, and is still the only McDonald's in the county. We also have a subway down there now. Nice. Um, so I would say probably the... That um, being out there and growing up on a farm made you... It instilled a pretty solid work ethic, I feel like, um, and self-reliance. Uh, out there on the farm, something goes wrong, um, you fix it. And mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not like, oh, well, who do we call? It's, how do we fix this? What's yeah. this going to take? Yeah. And you just make it happen. Um, and I feel like that's, that's... pretty cool. Getting... Well, and you, of course... I like to do that. I like to do things myself. Um, but your grandfather, my dad, was on a whole other level. I mean, 
something, you know, oh, wow, that look, that, that sprockets broke. We're, we're done for here. Um, well, I'm going to have to get that sprocket off the shaft and take it back to the shop and weld it back up, <laughs> put it back on. <laughs> I mean, literally, <laughs> I've seen it. I saw yeah. it happen. Oh, man. Yeah, Jay and I always joke about how we're just watered-down versions of you. So, like, you have all these awesome skills, and, like, we can fix things, too. Like, we're somewhat self-reliant, but you're just so much better at it. So then to hear that Grandpa was, like, you looked at him that way is like, wow. He must have been, like, even more of a legend. <laughs> and then I'm curious, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but great-grandpa was he just like could he just manifest mechanical systems out of nothing <laughs> you know that's that's an interesting question um i think even for his generation my dad your mm -hmm. grandpa um he was more of a self-starter than i ever was um like when he was in i don't know grade school um he sold fireworks, firecrackers and stuff to make a profit. Mm -hmm. And with those profits, he bought an acetylene torch and <laughs> taught himself to weld. <laughs> oh my God. Um, when they when got he like, was how old? That was, I mean, I guess in, in our terms, um, end of middle school. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> going into high school except there was no high school he would have had to like leave home to go to high school so he didn't go um he com he got his high school equivalency when he was in the army oh, man. um but when they got electricity on their road <laughs> he he wired the lights in the schoolhouse <laughs> what yes <laughs> how old was he when he did that i don't know <laughs> but if he was still in school, it was eighth grade at best. But he might he might have already been past the eighth grade at that point. But did the I, I but I don't know. Oh, past the eighth grade that's that's weak shit. <laughs> what a world to live in. Yeah. Like I don't like I'm sure you learn about electricity in middle school, but you don't learn how to like the amount of research I've done to install the wiring system in my van that I'm that we're converting like I did a full days of internet research with like all of the information that humanity has to offer and videos upon videos of people who have already done it explaining every specific step and every component and what it does and I'm still not confident in what I'm doing and he like what <laughs> just wired up a schoolhouse yeah was electricity simpler back then? <laughs> well, it was pretty basic. I mean, wiring a few lights its is, yeah. I mean, but it's completely foreign to most people at that point. Yeah, and still, if it's coming, if, it, if you have power coming off the grid, that's not, that's not like without risk of electrocution or anything. Like, you got to know what you're doing. Well, yeah. sure. Or like sure. risk of electrical fire. Grandpa only electrocuted people on purpose. <laughs> yes. Um, have I told you that story? I, I'm getting at a specific story. You, I, well, tell it, Dad. <laughs> um, so, 
Grandpa had one older brother. He had four. There were four. He had four brothers. One older. He had two sisters as well. Um, his oldest brother, the only one older than him, slept very deeply. It's hard to get him out of bed. Oh boy. Um, and I don't. You probably don't know a lot about electric fences for keeping livestock where you want them. But it's a it's it's a lower voltage. You're not putting you know line <laughs> voltage out around your fields, um, and they're they're intermittent. It's like if you if you've seen what's called an electric fencer, it'll there'll be a light on it. It'll light up and there'll be juice on the fence, but it's it's intermittent. It's like on, off, on, off. Anyway, okay. Grandpa hooked one of those up. To his brother's metal bed frame, <laughs> and then oh when God. it's time to get up, hit the switch and took off. <laughs> oh, Good old man. sibling shenanigans. <laughs> yep. Goodness gracious! But, but uh, um, yeah. So I don't think you should sell yourself. Oh, I was gonna say I don't think you should sell yourself short, Dad. Because didn't you sell? Or maybe this was Grandpa too, but didn't one of you sell, sold bullets was dad. to your classmates? <laughs> okay, not loaded rounds. Um, we had uh, we would cast and Jay. I think you did this with Grandpa Wilson. Yeah, one Grandpa point. showed but me. He, yeah. We had we had a little. It was a little gas two burner, little stove, hot plate, whatever you want to call it, and a cast iron pot that he had welded up out of scrap. Well, no, it wasn't cast iron, or steel. Um, and melted lead in it, and we had bullet molds. Grandpa, re- he cast his own bullets and reloaded his own ammunition for his hunting rifles. Um, and I don't know what grade I was in, but it was low single digits. But we, it's like, he showed, showed me and your Uncle Lewis how to cast the bullets. So we had fired up and cast the bullets. I had 22 <laughs> bullets and 30 caliber bullets. And I took a box of them to school and people wanted to buy them. So I <laughs> sold them. And they were just, they were just hunks of lead, right? Yeah. It's just, it's just a bullet. It's not like ammo. It's just yeah. the lead bullet. Yeah. So, you know, it's pretty inert. <laughs> um, but yeah, kids wanted to buy them, so I sold them. Yeah. Can you imagine the backlash today if a middle schooler was selling his classmates bullets at school? <laughs> like, that's crazy. How much, Do you remember how much you sold them for? Um, whew. The twenty twos were cheaper than the thirty calibers, but it was like a nickel. Maybe for the thirty yeah, yeah. cal, and I can't remember. Make maybe two for a nickel for the twenty twos or something. I can't remember exactly. But you're right; it was a different world. Yeah, you, it would be national news if some kid tried to do that in grade school these days or any school. But um, one thing I did want to add: I my business was shut down abruptly when uh, when people started throwing them in the gymnasium. <laughs> I was just gonna ask what the kids were doing with the bullets. <laughs> Shut that's, down. That's awesome. <laughs> um, but uh, 
And then I guess uh, to close the loop, as uh, as we're each a watered-down version of our uh, creator, um, because then I, in high school, went on to sell candy bars. So still the entrepreneurial spirit, but it went from, uh, from what was Grandpa selling? Uh, firecrackers. He was wiring electricity and selling firecrackers to bullets to uh, candy bars. Yep. So, now, um, I will but say... Uh, then, Oh, sorry. I, I will say, uh, your uncle Lewis and I had a thriving fireworks business in uh, in middle school as well. Uh, one day, one, okay, there we you were, go. one of our vacations, we passed through South Dakota, and along the interstate, there was a business called Star Fireworks, Star with two R's, and uh, we stopped there and loaded up on some stuff, and Grandpa got on their mailing list, and he had his vendor's license with his business, so he could order wholesale from Star Fireworks. And <laughs> oh uh, so we would gather an order every year and have copious amounts of firecrackers and bottle rockets and all sorts of things for the 4th of July. And we did a thriving business. I took in 100 bucks in one day. One, one <laughs> oh, year. Oh, man. That's wild. Because I do remember finding, like, ancient fireworks. Well, not ancient, but, like, old fireworks in the in the closet at Grandma's, and we got to play with those. But then there was the time that we passed through Missouri, and we stocked up. And I think we still have fire. We still have firecrackers and stuff at Grandma's from that trip. <laughs> Probably, like, sweating nitroglycerin at this point. <laughs> yeah. Was that a was that like crate of fireworks that we had at Grandma's house? Was that a relic of that era? Yes. Yes, oh, that is that History. is where that is where those came from. Those are really old. Yeah, um, I remember not all of them would uh, fire, <clears throat> so then we would hit some with a sledgehammer. <laughs> yes, yes, that, and that's then that's why. Um, but while we're on the subject of explosives, back in the day, it's <laughs> clearing fields and whatnot. I mean, Grandpa had a dozer and a backhoe, and um, he would clear out the corners of fields where things had grown up. But um, he was no stranger to explosives because back then they were much less regulated. But, you know, out on the farm, you might need some dynamite once in a while to blast a stump or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> that's what we did. You would just blast stumps with dynamite? Well, not me personally, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I was present for the blasting of stumps. That's nice. <laughs> oh, man. That's pretty cool. Yeah. But uh, what was the uh, what was the worst part of growing up in uh, Deerfield? I feel bad now because um, like, every time we talk about it, it's so fun. But <laughs> <laughs> Well, there, were, there was a downside. Um, the, the isolation. Um, for my entire grade school into high school even because you couldn't really, you know, I couldn't drive yet. And if I could have, I didn't have, didn't always, wouldn't have had a vehicle available. Um, on the last day of school in the spring, <clears throat> it's like, bye guys. <laughs> <laughs> and all your classmates, yeah, I'll see you in August or September whenever school starts again. Um, yeah. So yeah, you, you just—it was not a lot happening out there, friend-wise. I mean, there's some kids lived within a half mile or so, um, 
but the closest to my age was like four years older than me. And when you're, you know, a grade school kid, four years is a big, big gap. Um, and speaking of school, it's like for years, I was one of the first ones on the bus. Like we were the third stop and you could see the first stop from our house. And we rode that bus to school every day and we're the close to the first on, close to the last off. And for a while, we're the first on and last off after those kids were gone. But we were on that bus an hour a day, each way. So two hours on the bus. Yeah. And high school was just the same. There's one high school in the county, so one hour bus ride each way until we started driving to school or catching a ride with somebody who was. But yeah, that, mm-hmm. that, was, that was kind of the downside. Um, and sports didn't really get to participate in sports a lot. I did one, one season of little league baseball and one, um, one season of track in eighth grade. And that was it for my sports career in school, just cause you had to travel so far. I, I do kind of have questions about the sports too, but I want to touch on the bus ride cause that's an hour each way every day for your whole growing up life and you didn't have phones exactly. So you're not playing candy crush on the bus or anything. Would you, would you just like talk to your friends? Would you read books? Like what, what, what was that like? Yeah, probably did some of both of those. Um, and then later on learned to play and played a lot of Euchre. Oh, on the moving bus on the moving bus. I guess that shouldn't surprise me. We've done more difficult things on buses than that, so. But there were there were okay. positives to that too. Um, one of the one of the guys in my class who rode my bus, um, his family owned and operated an orchard and a cider mill. So when we drop them off at the right time of the year, it's like anybody want apples or cider and. Whoever did, yeah, that's awesome. Go get them. <laughs> oh man, yeah, and a long bus ride gives you a lot of time to sell bullets. Exactly. <laughs> oh man. Well, and if you get one kid throwing them at another kid, then you can start. Uh, you're you're just gonna take that sides. kid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, I'd, uh, it's not going to be crucial information, but I will let the listeners know that I did recently get a bloody nose, um, so <laughs> dealing with that now, but the show must yeah, go on. A, I, I can take over. I, let's let's ask a hardball question. Oh. Okay. And, Ed. Yeah, so this is one Playtime's I'm, over. This is, one I'm actually, this is one I'm actually interested in because it applies to me. Because it applies to me, and I should really be the focus here. No, just because this is where I'm at in my life, and I've already encountered um, encountered it a couple times, so I'm interested to hear if you've gone through this. And it's just the idea that when you're growing up, you always have, you think you have some idea of where your life is going, or what the next couple of years are going to be like, you know? Like, you have a vague life plan scoped out, and then inevitably, two or three years later, you look back and you're like, wow, that's not how I thought that was going to go. So for me, it's kind of like uh, first graduating college. I was like, okay, well, I'm single, fresh out of college. I'll be a field engineer. I'll travel around. Maybe I can like live in a van. I can like spend a lot of time with my friends in the off season, whatever. It's like I had this picture of what my life was going to be. Um, and then 
almost immediately met Sydney. Um, COVID happened. We moved into our, like, we bought a house together. Like, just astronomically nothing that I could have foresaw when I moved to Wilmington. So, I was wondering for you specifically, at the college junction, um, when you graduated, I guess you married mom shortly after your graduation, huh? So that was pretty much locked in. But, like, did you have any view of what was going to happen? Did you ever envision moving to Silver Lake? Did you, when you were growing up, did you have any notions of staying in Deerfield County? Or just kind of, did you have any ideas of where your life would go? And were you surprised at all with where it did end up going? So, I was never a big planner. Just kind of. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't. Yeah, you passed that on to us, too. <laughs> yes, I, I wasn't so much about making things happen as letting things happen. Um, but I was always good in school. School came easy to me, which at the college level was a, was was detrimental um, because I had <laughs> no study habits whatsoever. But I always did well in school, so it was pretty low percentage compared to today's standards, I, I would think how many people from my graduating class actually went on to college. There was a college prep group and it was relatively small. Um, but I was in that group, so it was like, well, yeah, I'm going to college. And well, guidance counselors, well, what do you think you want to study? Well, I don't know. <laughs> um, but <laughs> yeah. I was, you know, good in math and science. It's like, well, have you ever thought about engineering? And then it's like, well, do engineers make any money? Oh, they do. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I w ended up going to the OU branch in Zanesville my freshman year and working part-time. And uh, then to the Athens campus, main campus, for the rest of my college career. But it just kind of happened. It was, oh, oh this makes sense. I'll do this now. But as far as planning yeah. ahead as to yeah. what are you going to do, um, I can't say that, oh, I, yeah, I had this mapped out. But you ask about the college juncture. So at the end of college, um, the job market in 1987 wasn't the greatest. Um, I had a bachelor's degree in civil engineering at that point and sent out a few resumes, but I didn't saturate the market uh, didn't get a lot of didn't get a lot of response and I had an advisor at OU encouraging me to go on for a master's degree and said he could get a fellowship for me if I wanted to do that and I said go for it so that kept me in Athens for another two years um, so by the time I finished uh, your mother was already graduated and working in Columbus at AT&T. So when I finished the master's degree, I looked for work in central Ohio and got it and no, had no idea, didn't foresee that chain of events, but it... Mm -hmm. You also didn't have a lot of expectations going in though? Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, based on your path, I think it, I'd, I do like... Me personally, I mentally gloss over the fact that you were like first generation college a lot of the time, like just because it seemed like I don't know. Oh yeah, 
It's a like I feel like it's like a it's like a point of pride for a lot of people, but I also think that uh that I think I think the the Wilson half of our family is largely defined by like how nonchalant they are about their achievements. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just they just I feel like everybody just does things and they're just like, "Yeah, well I, well, I did it." Like I don't know. Um <laughs> yeah, I but, get uh, that. <laughs> yeah. But so then I guess was the so the master's degree you were never like I'm going to graduate and then I'm going to get a master's degree like when you were a junior in college did you what was your aspiration when you finished um, did you have any that, vision for what your life would be or you're like I guess I'll apply for jobs and see what happens I mean that's kind of what I did yeah that, that's exactly how that went down is like okay yeah I once I finish my degree, I need to get a job. Um, and the likelihood of that job being back in Morgan County was pretty low because we, we covered that. There's nothing, not a whole lot there. Um, mm-hmm. You know, civil engineers could maybe work for the Department of Transportation, but that's a, that's a limited, limited mm-hmm. market. One of my uh, college roommates actually did do that, worked his entire engineering career at the Department of Transportation in Marietta. Hmm. But he lived in Morgan County. He had a he had a lengthy commute, but um, hmm. just kind of lost well, my train of thought there. Yeah. So then, to kind of bring it around then, are there any points um, throughout any of that progression or anything that happened afterwards that maybe you had an opportunity that you like didn't would have taken more effort and you didn't chase after like is there anywhere it seems like you said it was just kind of whatever happened whatever made sense at the time there was always always seemed to be a logical next step was there any time you wish you you might have like grabbed the steering wheel and taken a hard turn somewhere else or anything no i don't think so um you mentioned junior year and junior year or towards the end of junior year or into senior year, um, I started working for the civil engineering department at OU. Um, I was helping one of the grad students there with his research in the soils lab. Um, that's how I became more known to the, uh, the professor in charge of that. Well, it was his advisor, um, the grad student I was working with. So, and working in a lab suited me pretty well. I mean, I was handy. And Mm -hmm. so that caught his eye and my grades were good enough that that's why he approached me for that fellowship. And since I didn't have a job in hand, it's like, I can get a master's degree and they're going to pay me to do it. So, like you said, that that made sense. So I wasn't going to take a hard right turn from that. Um, And then once I completed that, that opened up the job market. Uh, Mm -hmm. The jobs I did, I don't know that I needed a master's degree for, but it got my foot in the door. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then I worked for 20 plus years in that field. 
Um, yeah, I think a lot of people have that sentiment about their master's degrees. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, guys, I think enough's enough. We we wrote a lot of hard hitting questions, and I think I'm gonna I'm just gonna rip oh, off the band aid. <laughs> okay. Right. You think this will be the last one? The last one. Finish it on a doozy. But we wrote so many good questions. I mean, we can always do this again. I'm sure that we're going to get raving feedback and people are going to want to hear more from Big Brian. Well, we'll see how how long the, the heavy hitters go because there were like two or three that I really want to talk about because I wrote a lot of questions with the thought of Father's Day in mind. And I was really interested in that theme because I feel like it's something that I, I feel like I haven't asked you a lot about, Dad. But I'm just interested to see what I shake loose. I'm always I'm always interested at, like... You're not a closed book by any means, but it's, like, if you ask the right questions, sometimes you'll just unlock a story that you've never heard in your life, or, like, an opinion that you hold that I had no idea about. So, I'm interested in these, like, Father's Day questions. Um, but, let's see, I'll, I'll do one that's a little more specific, um, but still kind of a philosophical one. So, one thing that I was curious about was, in parenting us, as you did for many years, um, what lesson, what's one lesson you would hope that we picked up along the way, that like stuck with us in some significant way, um, and then what's one thing that you might maybe feel like you learned from us, in turn? Okay. This is another one that you had provided me this morning, so I had some time to think about it. And my first reaction was, wow, what lesson do I hope they learned from my parenting? And I'm like, <laughs> boy, that's a head scratcher. But then it hit me, and it's like, oh, obviously, don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. That's, that's where I landed on that one. Just don't sweat the small stuff and... It's mostly small stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's definitely most of my outlook on life, is that nothing really matters. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Not to twist your words. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I do find myself getting to the point where I'll be like really stressed about something, and then it, you do got to get to a point where you're just like, well, what's like the worst case scenario? Okay, that's not that bad. Mm -hmm. In the grand scheme. Yeah, and a lot of things I do, yeah, it's like, what happens if I don't do this? What happens if I do nothing? And you're like, yeah, I'll probably still be okay. So I think you nailed that one. I was worried you were going to answer that question, and I'd be like, really? <laughs> well, <laughs> oh, shoot, I didn't, I didn't okay. get that at all. <laughs> yeah. What if Dad had answered, like, I would have, uh, he, what if he was just like, I'd say that success is the only thing that matters, and uh, just achieve your goals at all costs. Like, I would, just <laughs> every like, man for himself. Yeah. <laughs> or like he has some big reveal. He's just like, my lesson that I wanted you to learn this whole time was that I will always be able to best you in physical contest. Now, open up your back door. I'm here to challenge you to a duel. No, um... <laughs> I was really just hoping one of you would learn to do a backflip. <laughs> you never did. <laughs> I'm riddled with disappointment. Oh my. Um, but that was a, a two-part question. 
And uh, yeah. mm-hmm. the second part was, what was the second part? What have I learned from us? Yeah, I'm, from you. I'm really interested to learn because I feel like I, we, we haven't been cranking out a lot of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've learned patience. <laughs> wow, okay. <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> no, I've always been patient. I feel well, I don't know about always, but I I'm generally pretty patient. But anyway, no. Um I think what I've learned um over the I mean, this is probably I guess more recently. I mean, you're all adults now. Um but you don't really need my advice anymore. Um, not that you don't ask for it on occasion, or, but you don't really need it. And um, I think there's a verse in Proverbs, something to the effect of train up your children in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. Basically, if you've got a good foundation you can make good decisions and do your thing. That actually hits almost perfectly on something I kind of wanted. I didn't have a specific question for it, but just kind of want to talk about it in general because uh, I look a lot at my other friends and we're all the same age. Like we're off, we have our jobs, we have houses. Some of us have fiancés and wives. Some people my age have kids, but all like so many of my friends' parents, you still see their parents telling them how to do things and how they should do things and what things they're doing wrong. And uh, it, I often ask the question, I'm like, from the kid's perspective, it's like, why are you still trying to parent me? Like, I'm an adult now, I can do make my own decisions. And then, but for, I have to try to put myself in the adult's shoes too, that it's like, well, you're still their kid. You are always going to have 20 to 30 more years of experience than them, and you're always going to feel like you're justified in giving their opinions. And then, But then that kind of circles all the way back to what we were talking about at the beginning, where Jay lauded you for knowing when not to say what you think. <laughs> and I think that's honestly one of the best things, one of your best qualities as a parent, or one of the things I have appreciated most in you as a parent, is so much of growing up, you let us just kind of do it on our own and figure it out. And I feel like the lessons you learn are so much more valuable that way. But then you have also always been there for us to turn to, to be like, hey, have you done this? Do you have any advice? And it's always valued. And I knew too, a lot of the times I could go to you to ask your advice and get your opinion. And then even I was free to dismiss that opinion if I felt like it. And you wouldn't, like, punish me or be upset with me if I did something else. I remember specifically with one of my college essays, I came up with this really, like, interesting, different way of approaching one of the questions. And I remember you reading it. Like, I was like, hey, read this essay. Let me know what you think. And you read it. And you said you didn't think that was a good way to approach it. You were like, that seems kind of, I don't think that's what they're looking for. I don't think you should do this. And I was like, okay, well, I think it's good. So I'm going to submit it. And that was like, that felt like a turning point to me that I was like, I'm applying to college and I just blatantly disregarded dad's advice. <laughs> Screw that guy. <laughs> yeah. I'm an but it was, it's just a really good, it's just a really good example of, I don't know. I think it was, 
I think you nailed it. I think it was a perfect guidance without, like, railroading. You have to do it like this, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, there's another quote. Um, I've said it before. You've probably heard me say it before. I don't remember who it's from, but uh, just... I don't know how much it really applies to unsolicited advice, but it's, uh, the quote is, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like one. I remember you telling me that quote multiple times when I was younger. I don't think with any, like, supercharged, like, I'm teaching you a lesson right now, but no. just I know I knew that quote had been spoken a few times growing up, and I still think about it a lot to this day, because many people know Jay and I tend to talk a lot, yeah. and yeah, in a lot of situations, I'm just like, do I need to be talking, or like I'll be in a situation where I feel like I don't know a lot, and I'm like, well, they don't know how much I don't know, so if I just don't talk, they're gonna assume I know things because I'm here in the room with them. So, yeah, really useful in, like, when you're starting a new job, it's, like, just absorb. You don't need to be out there saying, like, I don't know this, will you explain it to me? Like, you can just kind of let things happen. I don't know, obviously, it's good to seek out knowledge as well, but the situation where you seek out knowledge, I'm getting off track and I don't know what I'm saying anymore. I'm going to stop talking. <laughs> but no, that's... All down. <clears throat> <laughs> but no, that's right. I yeah, I think you you encapsulated that pretty well of when when that applies. And mm-hmm. and and there are times where it's like no, you need to ask questions, you need to know this, but time and a yeah. place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I feel like we still have time for more questions. I don't know if dad's getting sick of us. No, I'm good. Well, how do you feel, Brian? Yeah, and I I keep coming up with more now. <laughs> like I could I could still build off what we were just talking about cuz uh when you were talking about um I forget exactly what your answer even was and what the original question was but how you said just kind of like um when not to give us advice like do you think do you feel like there was a point where you consciously kind of let us go and start figuring stuff out for ourselves cuz obviously Younger kids need, like, yes, no, good, bad, that kind of thing, right, wrong. But then, was there a point where you consciously were like, okay, now they got to figure it out? I can't pick a specific point in time, um, but I know there were times when there's a, a question, what well, my opinion, my advice, and I was conscious of not wanting to make the decision for you so I didn't want to be I don't know so forceful or opinionated that you made your decision because of something like oh dad will be upset if I don't make this decision he obviously wants me to do this it's like Uh if it's your decision I want it to be your decision I can tell you what I think but I don't want to yeah, I remember I um, bulldoze. I don't want to bulldoze you with it. <clears throat> yeah, mm-hmm. I remembered actually a specific moment. It was um, 
and it just sort of was a moment where I realized, oh, Dad doesn't really give his opinion that often when he doesn't need to. Um, and I was surprised because it was a time that you like very specifically gave your opinion to me. And I was like, oh, Dad probably has more opinions than I know of. Um, but it was, I like, one of my friends was like doing like army recruiting as like, if you do the recruiting, you get more days leave after basic training. And he said like, Hey, it'd be a favor to me if you came and talked to this recruiter, like you can just like listen to him and then say no thanks and leave. But like, it just like helps my numbers. And I was just like, okay, cool. Like I'll help you out. And I went and like, obviously like they're very good at it and they like give you a whole spiel and they like tell you all the different ways that you can like join the army and not really join the army. And whatnot, and then I came back and I was just like, "Well, Dad, like, what about like the National Guard? Like, that kind of seems like free money." And then, like, I, I I thought that it would be more of a dialogue. And then yeah, I remember, or I don't know, I just remember you being like, "I think you should stay as far away from the army as humanly possible." And like, <laughs> it's not no a memory. good idea. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I like." And <laughs> in in one way, it's like because you never offered your opinion. When in that moment, I was just like, "Oh, no brainer." Then I'm like, not doing that. It's like. <laughs> It's like, oh, Dad, like, felt it necessary to give his opinion here? That's obviously very important. And, like, I don't know, we hold you in very high respect, so, like, when you... I don't know, maybe you could, like, detect how... It'd be, honestly, like, a very high IQ, like, parenting thing if you could, like, foresee how much effect your opinion would have on us and then, therefore, not give it very often. But, I don't know, I just remembered that moment. I also think it's kind of a just a result of the general rule that the less opinions you give, the more people will value it when you give it. Mm -hmm. They'll be like, oh, I know they don't give opinions often, so when they do give an opinion, it must be a very, like, an opinion they think is important. I don't have a specific memory of that conversation. I remember that event, and I remember you doing that. Um, the free money part of it is what triggered me and if if you were looking at us like hey I can get this money to go towards schooling um, I feel like I probably would have said something like don't do that for the money school will happen makes sense. with or without that money um, don't do it for that reason if you want to mm -hmm. really join the military or armed services in some format if that's what you want to do Okay, that's one thing, but don't do it to get a ride to college yeah. because it's yeah, not. Yeah, I could have. Yeah, I could have seen you like saying like if I came back to you and I said, "Dad, I really want to join like the Marines." It probably would have been a conversation, but I don't think you would have said like, "Hell no." I don't right. know, maybe, <clears throat> but mom definitely would have said, "Hell no." Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Like, <laughs> and but um, also on. That note, somewhat related, and of lessons that we've learned from Dad. I know one of the one of the stances that Mom really pushed on us growing up was never make a decision based on the money because the money will work itself out. Like that's not something you should worry about. It's pretty privileged. Just make uh, the right stance, decision that you think like, is the best for you. In general, yeah, yeah. very privileged stance, but. Um, because I know, like, we didn't really save for college as a family. We were just like, oh, the kids will get scholarships or we'll take out loans. Like, whatever we need to do, like, it'll be fine. But, uh, Dad, I just wanted to know, is that um, a lesson that you agreed with? Like, you guys always had a united front. We never saw what happened behind closed doors, but 
I don't know. Were there any... Were there? I guess to expand it, were there any morals or lessons you guys had to discuss before presenting them to us? <laughs> I don't have specific recollection of anything like that, but as far as the saving for college thing, um, it wasn't like we didn't have a strategy uh, as much as we didn't have the means at the time. Um, mm-hmm. I know the, doll- the, the numbers are different today uh, than they were even then when we were mm-hmm. uh, looking at that. But we weren't in a position to save a lot of money for college. Um, I had, well, I had my engineering job for 20 plus years and I was, I made 80 grand a year at the end of that. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'd stuck with it longer, I mean, I'm sure that number would be a lot bigger now. Um, cause that was, wow. <laughs> I don't want to think about how long ago that was. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so, okay. That sounds like a pretty good salary, you know, 15, 10, 15 years ago. And it was, it was a decent, that's a decent salary, but that's a one income household raising four kids. Four kids. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's it does it doesn't go as far as you think um and then there was some support from the rental properties that mm-hmm. mom was managing at the time too uh but that it's not a not a huge amount of money either yeah okay so that's odd to me then that that's kind of just the the picture that mom painted for a decision that really wasn't a decision then because I think that's stayed with me throughout my life where she was like, don't worry about the money. The money will work itself out. And then I, I did turn down a really good scholarship at OU to go to Cincinnati just because I thought it was the right decision. And then sure enough, everything worked out. Cincinnati's co-op program, other scholarships. Yada, yeah. You got yada, a yada. wild scholarship to Cincinnati eventually. Got, yeah. <laughs> and then got through school, basically break even. And I was like, huh, it, things do work themselves out, huh? <laughs> it's given me a very, like, carefree approach to life where I'm like, if you don't like your job, quit your job. It'll work yeah. out. <laughs> Jeez. But yeah, I do well, think I mean, we... <laughs> <laughs> the Wilsons also Granted, feel like I, have a way of stumbling ass been, backwards into, like, things working out. <laughs> yeah, and we've been very privileged in very many ways. I don't want to downplay that at all, but it's funny how that... Um, it just happened. Almost like force of circumstance. How, the way mom presented it to me has affected how I look at the world now. Right. But that, uh, that, and that strategy can work up to a point, but it's within reason. Um, and I think um, sure. getting back to your decision between OU and Cincinnati, and you thought that was a better decision, even though you had, you had a pretty good deal for OU, I think it was the right decision. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I told you not to make the decision based on money at the time. Uh, or not? Um, you did. I remember specifically. I think, you said I, think that, I, I, I think sure. I remember that as well. Yeah. But like him saying, then that you got you. invited. You got invited to apply uh, for that scholarship for the the whole engineering degree slash MBA compressed mm-hmm. into five years um, with the co op program, and and you applied, and I remember you had the phone interview for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and you were in oh, your room. Oh, yeah, I remember how this played out now. You were in your room over the garage, and I was upstairs. Anyway, I was headed downstairs, and you were on that call. And I caught snippets, and then I just kind of camped out in the hallway and was listening to some of your answers. Obviously, I didn't know the questions, but I was listening to some of the answers, and I'm like, you're killing it. <laughs> <laughs> no way. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't know you did that. No, I heard so I heard some of your answers. Obviously, didn't hear the questions, but just I could, you know, deduce mm-hmm. what type of questions they were asking. And some of your answers, I'm like, you nailed it, and you got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but. yeah. I was gonna say I thought I remember in some capacity, like you received the letter that I had gotten that scholarship then. Oh, and then we were having this. some conversation where you were trying to, like... We were having a conversation where basically I was going to pick. And I ended up picking since... I think that's probably when you said, like, don't make the decision out uh, because of the money. Like, pick which school you like better. And I think I ended up picking Cincinnati. And then you said, okay, by the way, you got that scholarship. <laughs> so. I, I, did, I, didn't, I don't remember that, but... If you, you have do. a flair for the dramatic sometimes. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. But, right, um, Jay, do you have another another line you want to take us down? Yeah, do you want to go out on a... on a, on a banger? Voice. Because, okay, did you look at my uh, list, Dad? Well, Dad, I guess you can... I'll, I'll defer to you for the last one, Dad. I, I'm trying to decide between... The first question and the second question I have on my bolded list that I gave to you. Um, let so me see. feel free to just you pick. Either one's fine. Okay. I'll, okay. Jeez. Um, <laughs> hmm. You know what? I feel like this honestly can. Uh, this will probably flow into the second one, but it was a pretty open-ended one, Brian. I was going to pick number two. Number two? Yeah, but you can continue on. It well, I was going like to made up your own mind. Well, I was going to pick number one. Um, because... <laughs> but, uh... Well, now, is, is number two better? <laughs> um, yeah, you know what, actually? Okay, so... I'm very interested in... Like, well, as Brian's getting older... And Rachel is... Like... She's getting ready to start a family. Aaron is now has now eloped and moving to Paris. Um, <laughs> I'm seeing all the siblings sort of starting to phase shift, like that weird transitional time from being a kid into being like an adult slash parent. And I'm very interested in the transition that like you were you were just a guy and then you started parenting. And like to you, you were probably still just a guy the whole time. But you just start doing other things, and you start raising other human beings. Um, so I'm really interested in that transition, and sort of like what it must be like to just enter that world with not really a huge understanding of anything. Um, or like, you can't have background on what it means to be a parent, I guess. So one question that I was interested in was, what was the most confusing slash challenging thing about raising children? Like, get into it, you can, this could be like when we were all toddlers, or when we were, like, in our teens. But, um, and then, sort of the antithesis of that, what was, like, the easiest, or what met expectations the most from going in? 
Okay. Um, the most challenging or like the transition, um, I guess, obviously, we just had Rachel for a while before Aaron was born. So at that point, your mother and I were both still working full time. So that was kind of challenging, what with daycare and your uh, your mom traveled for work with AT&T. Like she'd be, oh, going to New Jersey this week. So then I'm oh. I'm a hmm. single dad getting, Rachel, getting Rachel up and off to daycare and off to work for a full day and then back to get her. It was... Uh, so yeah, that, there were challenges with that. I don't have clear memory of like being exhausted all the time or oh this really sucks. It was just I don't know. Although I'm sure you this, were. This, yeah. This is what we're doing this week and um uh so that was that was challenging, but uh in general though, when you guys were young, especially after Aaron was born because uh, your mother took time off. Medi- uh, she was like her OB said, hey, these last month or two of your pregnancy, you don't need to work. You, this is, you need to take it easy. Um, and then she never went back to work after that at, mm. at AT&T or any other like full-time gig. Um, so then she was doing the heavy lifting as far as raising you guys when you were all little. But uh, Andrew, mm-hmm. you wanted to say something. No, I was just going to say that it was really cute that uh, I'm picturing you single dadding Rachel. I didn't know that was ever a phase. Like, I didn't know mom was gone for parts of that. Yeah, there were times when she had to travel. Um, Grandma Wilson came up to babysit sometimes, too. Uh, hmm. Like, she would come up for a day or two sometimes if if Joy was out of town, and then that, that kind of took some of the load off. Um, but yeah, I would, there for a while, um, your mom would go to work at five 30 in the morning, like be at work. Um, I would get up, get Rachel ready for daycare breakfast and get her to daycare in time for me to get to work at eight o'clock. Um, and the last daycare that Rachel was in was literally on the way to to the AT&T plant uh, where mom okay. worked. Um, but by going in early, she was done at 2.30 in the afternoon. So Rachel didn't have a long day at daycare. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I that was when we lived in Pataskala. And I remember one morning we're on the way to work and uh, I witnessed an accident right in front of me and um, like cars skidding across the road and I pulled off and the police were there pretty quick because Pataskala is not a big place or wasn't then. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I was right behind the accident. So I had to give a statement. <laughs> Rachel's in the car seat in the back of the Bronco too. And <laughs> all wide-eyed like what's going on is yes so yeah we had we had some adventures Mm -hmm. that's crazy 
Did you ever have any moments um, where you just like felt like unprepared, or I don't know about unprepared, but like I I picture like I can't imagine how different I'll feel in like seven years or so. But like, right? The odds that a small child is in my life at that point are significant, and it's like I can't picture this person just like also having like a little sidekick that's like a little larva person and just like you being in that situation where you're just like oh i'm giving the statement but also there's a child of mine in the back seat over here like right. i don't know well i guess you um, just sort of get used to it as you go but getting back to the transition um when we brought rachel home from the hospital it's like okay now we have a baby we need to know how to take care of a baby it's like there's so, you know, you're giving the baby a bath for the first time. It's like, how do you do this? And you've got the little <laughs> baby bathtub, tray, whatever you want to call it. That's, and it's like... A drying rack. Oh, and, and <laughs> drying rack. Um, but no, and we're a couple of engineers. And it's like, well, here's this thing they sent us from the hospital. And it's like, step by step. You know, bathing a Follow baby. The procedure, <laughs> right? It's like we're we're following the instruction manual, but that goes out the window pretty quick. Yeah, but, you can't really do the whole like turn it off and turn it back on again. Right. Um, but but looking back, it's just it's just comical. <laughs> that is that is interesting. But then, yeah, was there anything that like ended up just like coming real natural and being really easy, or went to course? Um, hmm. I mean, as far as raising you guys, you were all basically good kids. Basically. Listened. I know. I mean, you know, you're gonna, <laughs> everybody's going to uh, have their issues, but I know Rachel and your mother butted heads during those middle school, <laughs> high school years. Yeah. But that's probably typical between teenage girls and their mothers. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't know. That's uh, outside the usual stuff. I think you were, it was pretty easy. You, as far as, you were good kids. You got, you did, you all did well in school. Um, and I guess, that wasn't unexpected. Your mother and I always did well in school, so that that so you're takes taking a credit lot of for stress that off. I am, yes, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent. Yep. You you Rest all have better I discipline as, than I ever did. You have better study habits. All I mean, no, you guys took it to the next level. But then we still feel dumber than you somehow. Awesome. <laughs> well, we're just le- less capable, I guess. With like practical knowledge for sure but brian yeah you figured out how to do a rubik's cube just on yeah that's like i don't know know how you i don't know how you top that (laughs) you just like there's some things that you just do and that's like what gets us sometimes i think (laughs) but uh what i wanted to ask was um growing up i think all of the kids we agree that we kind of saw you as an imposing figure like, we had a, definitely had a healthy fear of you, which you watch back videos, and it's like, we obviously loved you. Like, we're all excited to see you. We're, like, playing with you and everything. But all of us remember, like, Dad was a little scary. Yeah, I remember like, that. Do you, 
Do you? I think your mom remember from... ever in. <laughs> I was gonna say, how did that come about? Did you ever feel like you were scaring us? Did you ever like feel like you were being too mean to us? Like, where did that come from, from our perspective? I think your mom promoted that. I don't know about with everybody, <laughs> but like there were times where it's like you know she would. I think she would say to Rachel or maybe both the girls, it's like. I'm telling your dad when he gets home. And, and I know there were times where something would be going on with Rachel and she would say to your mom, you're not going to tell dad, are you? That kind of thing. So yeah, there was, so that, that was, I think she kind of promoted that a little bit. Um, I don't think I was intentionally gruff, uh, but there were times I'm sure I snapped Mm -hmm you know come home from work and right. wiped out whatever but but and no. when you're a little knee high that can be pretty intimidating yes my but, uh, i was just going to say my dad was pretty intimidating when i was a kid to me i, I i'm sure that wasn't his intent um but i think back to okay how did he grow up in the middle of rural west virginia and how gruff was his dad and his with him and his four brothers down down in the middle of West Virginia. Right. Um, so then I guess, from your perspective, could you tell that we were a little scared of you? And then also, how did that make you feel? Like when mom came home, or when you came home and mom would be like, Rachel did this, or Aaron did this, and you're like, oh, like, do, do I, I have to be have scared to now? <laughs> do I have to go make them feel bad now? <laughs> um, like, how does, it, how does that work from a parent's view? I feel like it's so hard to, like, discipline a three-year-old, or maybe not a three-year-old, they kind of deserve it. Like a five-year-old that did something wrong and feels bad. How do you, how do you do that? I, I think it was the threat, I think, of dad was, was the idea more than any action, anything actually happening. So no, it wasn't like, Mm -hmm. oh, you just wait till your dad gets home. And it was, Mm -hmm. it because I think all of you were kind of that way, at mm. least. Yeah. It's like, okay, you feel and bad what, enough already. It's like, if 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 I come rant and rave and berate you, that's just piling on at that point. Yeah. It's weird that it was all psychological. Because, yeah, I think back to, like, I know, uh, like, Dad was an imposing figure, but I don't know why. It's like he never really hit me. He never yelled at me. What was I scared of? Like, yeah. what was there? Well, I feel like, I don't know, you just picture the way, like, when I picture young dad interacting with, like, your childhood, I don't know, it just, that whole, like, world in, like, Deerfield or Morgan County um, just seems, like, kind of cut and dry and, like, not necessarily, like, like, stern inherently, but just, like, there's not a lot of, like, farting around the point it's like oh like you messed up these are the consequences and it's like some people's parents like would like beat on them in different generations but like other times it's like oh these are like the consequences and it's like you messed up and it's like there's not we're not gonna sit here and belabor the point more than necessary it's like it's a very practical like environment so it's like this is what happened this is what we're gonna do about it you did this wrong you did this right like this that and the other but um yeah it was definitely an interesting dichotomy of like we loved dad so much. He's like our hero, but then also it's like, oh, we got to like, not like, like <laughs> a little bit scared. Like, of there, dad. there was, 
there, there was a reverence. It was like, yeah. But maybe we loved him so much that we were just scared of the idea that we would upset him. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But anyhow. Also, like nothing you think really makes sense when you're that young. So. <laughs> yeah, but you like there's there's still fear. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wouldn't cross that in a dark alley. Well, like, <laughs> well, there's always. A, I got, I got comes a few a man, years of that left. There comes a moment in every man's life when he just takes his, a good, hard look up and down of his dad and thinks, "I could take this guy." <laughs> but, but no, um, but that's the thing. I think like now there's like a fear, but more so it's like a fear of like I don't want to like look stupid in front of dad. It's like, I just want, like, not necessarily to where I'm going to, like, pretend like I know things, but it's like, I don't want to, like, make an obvious mistake or, like, do something, like, irresponsible or, like, you know, just, like, screw up in a preventable way or, you know, it's just like, ah, Rolling a car? Perhaps. I didn't think we needed to bring that up, but. (laughs) (laughs) But thanks anyway. You put you put enough people on blast on this podcast that you deserve some of it. You know Jay. what? It's fair, Brian. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like times like that where you're just like, geez, like, and then those are the times when I feel like Dad kind of knows that it's like, or I, I guess I assume I don't know how much uh, explosiveness there might have been uh, behind closed doors, but um, it's like <laughs> I think Jay knows at this age he's not supposed to flip cars, um, so like he probably feels pretty dumb thinking? right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it's just like, you just, I don't know, there's, it's like, not like I'm, like, I don't know, I don't think that I'm gonna, like, die if dad yells at me, but it's like, I want dad to think well of me, so. I'm sure. Right. Or I guess I can talk directly to you since you're on the podcast, but. Yes. Um, um maybe I'm just a little scared. And I, <laughs> <laughs> no, I remember, I remember that incident, um, <laughs> it recently restored the Mercury Milan to full function. Yeah, thought okay. Jay's oh. got a car to get him through college, and then oops, maybe not. Um, but no, at that point, it's just that's just a car. Everybody was yeah. okay, so mm-hmm. we're all good. Yeah, yeah. Don't Still would have been nice stuff. to not uh, flip that. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. Well, that's what that preferable. That's one of the things where like you don't sweat the small stuff. It's like well, it's certainly not like well. Physically, the size of a car, but that's kind of encompassed by like, well, we're nobody died, so like, no reason to yeah. Like, so the car yourself yeah, up forever. It's like exactly, Every, everybody got out of there unhurt. Um, so the car compared to that is small stuff. Yeah, and when you think about it, one of Dad's passions is finding good deals on really crappy cars. And also, he loves to fix things, so I think you did him some favors. I think it was Father's Day, actually. I had it planned. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Thank you. No, but... That was... Yeah. Do we have any, uh... Well, we've we've already ran pretty long. Um, Do we want to wrap it up here? Do we want to go back to question one for some brief thoughts, or what do you think, Brian? I'm pretty satisfied. Uh, we, Dad, if there's anything else you want to, any cherry on top that you want to mention, other than yeah. that, I think we could boogie on out of here. Yeah, closing yeah, right. thoughts well, on being on the pod, or like, this year in review of fatherhood, how, like, yeah. 
Um, no, I enjoyed, I enjoyed being on the podcast with you guys. Uh, I don't know that I have any parting words of wisdom. Uh, I think we covered a lot of ground here. I'm satisfied. All right. Well, I can't imagine if we keep doing this for a long time, it'll be the last time you're on because the people are very interested. Brian and I are very interested. Fans are clamoring. Yeah, we're gonna. I'm sure we're gonna get flooded with emails after this. Uh, but, um, but just for reference, we haven't got an email in the past four episodes about. Um, but <laughs> but um, anyhow, I pr- thanks for coming on, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Thanks for Happy inviting. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. I love you guys. Yeah, love you too. Love you too. Oh wait, Dad. Wait, no, you gotta wait. Shoot. One of my favorite dadisms. We gotta say it first. Well, <laughs> we love you, Dad. Start over. Start over. I love you, Dad. I love you too. Too. Nice. There we go. <laughs> Stuck the landing. All right. Um, but if you if you want to email in um, some maybe some questions you would have for uh, Papa Wilson in the future, uh, maybe if Mary listens to this one, we'll get an email from her. I'm sure she has a lot of things she'd like to ask you. Although, she has a lot of FaceTime with you, so I think she might just ask. Um, but if you want to email in, it's weeklywilsonpod at gmail.com. If you want to tweet at us, it's weeklywilsonpod on Twitter. And check our Instagram out for updates, weeklywilsonpod on Instagram. Um, but, yeah, one last time. Thanks for coming on, Dad. It was a pleasure. Uh, but until the end of next week, unless otherwise noted... My name's Jay Wilson, his name's Brian Wilson, and his name's also Brian Wilson, but he essentially gave rise to the whole podcast in a way, so thank him for each and every episode that has been created. scuba da ba dee ba doo ba doo ba doo ba wah beep ba da ba doo ba doo ba sleep ba da ba It's, I'm really flattered. It's about time you gave me that much credit for the podcast. No, I, was, I said Brian, not Brian. Uh, well, now it's just kind of awkward. Yeah. Well, I, I think I called you Andrew at some point during the podcast too, but yeah, that's I think we've explained that in the Can't past. Can't help it. It would also be it would also be a really interesting uh, social play for Mary if she thinks there's discussions we need to have as father and sons, and then she emails the podcast so that we asked Dad about them. Uh, what is she a social worker or something (laughs) it was in your court Mary